0: Welcome to GSA Fast Focus, a look at what's happening throughout GSA's Federal Acquisition Service. I'm Joan Cornblith and I really should say welcome to our inaugural edition of Fast Focus. Thanks for tuning in to our debut podcast. I'm super excited because Fast Commissioner Julie Dunn is joining me to talk about some of the big accomplishments of FY20, which was her first year on the job. We're also going to run down some of the webinars and CLP opportunities coming up in the next couple of weeks, and we will also put a few fascinating facts in Fast Focus. Welcome back to Fast Focus, a look at what's happening throughout GSA's Federal Acquisition Service. I'm Joan Kornblith, and in just a couple of minutes, I'll be talking with Fast Commissioner Julie Dunn about her first year in that role and some of the highlights of the past 12 months. But first, there is always a full plate of Fast specific webinars and trainings coming up. I know that you've been hearing a lot recently about multiple award schedule consolidation. If you or anyone you know has questions about mass consolidation, our mass PMO team can help you out. They have got a monthly webinar devoted to answering your questions. The next mass AMA, and that stands for ask me anything, is coming up on November 19th. The Mass team says they'll be discussing new and potential offerer topics, including the Mass roadmap. More information and registration info is in the Mass Interact group and also on the official GSA events page. You can find that at gsa.gov/events. You can also email Mass at gsa.gov. That is M A S P M O at gsa.gov, and ask for details. I'm going to also see if we can get that link in our Fast Focus podcast description for you. Welcome back to Fast Focus. So look at what's happening in and around GSA's Federal Acquisition Service. I'm Joan Kornblith, and joining me now is Fast Commissioner Julie Dunn. Thank you so much for taking a couple of minutes out of your schedule to join us today. Thanks, Joan. I'm happy to be here. Well, let me start by saying congratulations on year number one. Uh, When you walked through that door at 1800F for the first time and took your oath, what did you think your first year would be like? I am sure that it did not involve becoming a Google Meet and Telework sensei. It, it certainly didn't. It,
1: it <laughs> seems like a year ago, it, you know, it, a world far, far away. Um, but I actually had the opportunity before I took this job, I was senior advisor to administrator Emily Murphy. So I got a little bit of the lay of the land before I, I was asked to step in after Alan Thomas, my predecessor, uh, left the service. But, you know, it, the year flew very quickly. Um, I remember attending a town hall with all the, the FAS community. Um, and we had the opportunity to meet and, you know, lay out what my expectations were and, and what my leadership style was about. Um, so, and, and I've really been pleased. The uh, the folks that are part of the FAS organization are just incredible and, you know, like, like you said, um, Who could have imagined managing through a global pandemic? And the resilience of our workforce is just incredible.
0: It's really not something that they teach you in business school or they teach you in any school. You know, COVID-19, which we were just talking about, the pandemic is why we're recording this virtually today instead of sitting together in a studio. Uh, So why don't we uh, kick things off by talking a little bit more about the fast COVID response. FAS is the Federal Acquisition Service, so it shouldn't be a surprise that the agency was able to obtain millions of high-demand COVID items, like wipes and masks and cleaning and medical supplies for GSA's customers. But that's really only one part of the story, isn't it? That's
1: right. Uh, Early on, you know, who could have imagined the uh, breadth of uh, goods and services that would be needed across the federal workplace? Um, And, you know, it was some of those high demand COVID-19 items, as you mentioned, like gloves and masks and, you know, our emergency acquisition group really stepped up in partnership with FEMA. We also have a group, um, the property management folks, who were able to identify excess property throughout the federal government and get it um, in the hands of people that really needed it. But there's also the IT piece of things we were able to quickly get uh, laptops, for example, to the SBA. I think we got over 3,000 laptops to the SBA to help them run the new loan program to help small businesses. We were also very much involved in, you know, some of the building maintenance and cleaning processes. We also, you know, through our EIS contract, we were able to help with a lot of IT infrastructure items. So And, you know, you you'd also be surprised, maybe be surprised to learn uh, that we did things like uh, support the Navy hospital ships, comfort and mercy. You know, so we we were, you know, from every military service to a a number of different federal agencies, uh, GSA really stepped up and we were able
0: to execute in the virtual environment. And, you know, sometimes you really have to just think outside the box to meet all these challenges that spring up the agency made the very sudden decision to have to switch all their planned in-person conferences and recast them as virtual events. Uh, that was a huge deal. But then my favorite story is really the one, uh, and I'd like you to share it, about how GSA supported the Peace Corps when Americans were stranded overseas.
1: Yeah, that's, that's one of my favorites. Um, so GSA runs the SmartPay program. It's a massive program, basically providing purchase cards for our federal government customers. And back in March when the Peace Corps, they suddenly announced they had to suspend operations, they had to bring home 7,000 volunteers from more than 60 countries and they had to get it done pretty quickly. So the Peace Corps turned to their GSA Smart Pay travel card program to get everyone home safely. So there there were lots of stories like that. and, And you also mentioned, us pivoting to virtual events. I was disappointed we had to cancel our FAST 2020 event down in Atlanta, but our team really pivoted quickly and we put on a successful three-day virtual event. We also did that uh, actually to support the, the Smart Pay program as well. This past August we put on a big virtual event. I know we'll all be together in person at some point in some level of, of interaction, but you know right now we've adjusted and we've delivered a lot in terms of our virtual training opportunities for the vendor community uh, as well as our government customers.
0: And there are tons more on the way. I've been looking at the advanced calendars not just for the next quarter but for the next year and there are a lot of events big and small that are being planned all over the country. So. Uh, you know, virtual events for wherever you are, you can plug into them, and some big, massive multi-day events, and then also the small directed training events as well.
1: Yes, I, I actually had an opportunity this past summer to participate in a training session for the small business community with Administrator Murphy, and the whole idea was to try and help some of these small businesses get on the GSA schedule so that they could support COVID nineteen mm-hmm. relief. So. Lots of uh, great opportunities through that virtual environment.
0: I'm Joan Cornblith. You're listening to Fast Focus from the U.S. General Services Administration. I'm talking with Fast Commissioner Julie Dunn as she marks one year in that role. We've been talking about the fast COVID 19 response. Let's take a look at some of the other achievements of FY20, Uh, maybe how you advanced enterprise priorities. Sure.
1: So um as, as you you know, as we've been talking, this global pandemic hit and the team really pivoted and was able to deliver on the support that our customer agencies needed. But at the same time we continued to deliver on our fiscal year 2020 priorities a lot of that has happened under the umbrella of what we like to call the federal marketplace strategy and i know there'll be an upcoming podcast on that Mm. in the near term Um, but there's a number of projects uh, that are going on under that under that rubric and we will actually be coming out with our i believe it's our sixth release later this month for the federal marketplace strategy but looking back over the last year we had some big wins when it comes to mass consolidation. You know, we completed phase two, and we had an incredible 99% of the contractors sign the mass mod for the new single schedule. And we've already seen some of the return on that reform effort um, because we've been. It, it takes a lot less time to add the special item numbers um, because we can modify an existing contract as opposed to setting up a whole new new contract and it's actually been kind of neat to see even in the context of the COVID-19 response I know of at least one couple of examples but one that comes to mind uh, because this is now how our brain works a hospital grade air filter (laughs) was something that one of our contractors wanted to get on um, to the schedule and we were able to very quickly turn that around and get that product on the schedule and that was a result of this new reform effort. So we're
0: already seeing a return on that investment, if you will. By the time you listen to this podcast, we will have put out our next federal marketplace strategy release. You can find it at gsa.gov slash federal marketplace. I know there's also been a lot of progress in robotic process automation or RPA. Now, it gets kind of complicated. I know what RPA isn't. It isn't robots coming in and taking jobs away from people. But what does RPA mean for GSA exactly? How is it being used? So I look at RPA in the broader
1: context of uh, what can we automate in terms of the acquisition process, right? Um, it's about freeing up the acquisition workforce's time, So that they can devote more attention to more complicated tasks if you will and it's also so that we can be much quicker for our vendors right so it'll take less time for things so you know we can't we're not going to automate everything (laughs) we're going to look for opportunities where where there's some efficiencies and this is something gsa writ large has been working on but in the acquisition context earlier this year uh, we launched what we like we like to call the truman bot aptly named over, you know, President Truman, since he uh, signed the authorizing legislation for GSA. But that was an effort to automate things like checking the excluded parties list. Truman 2.0 will be coming out soon. And that is again, an effort to automate things like, you know, pre-populating templates for Mm -hmm. negotiation memos. We're also looking at ways to automate things in the um, catalog management um, area where we're trying to, in, in an automated world, reconcile catalogs and, and and pricing so that it doesn't take quite as long, and we can, you know, help identify errors and have more accurate data in that context.
0: So it's really going to be taking burden off of the workforce and also speeding things up.
1: That's right. That's right. Um, and, you know, I think this is just the beginning. It's something that, you know, looking forward in our fiscal year 2021 priorities, one of my main areas is IT modernization and automation. Um, and the idea there, is, as you aptly pointed out, is is about, you know, adding capacity for the workforce
0: and making things move more quickly. Because I know one thing we've been talking about a lot over the years is making things easier on all sides. Yes. This, this is a project that falls within that realm. That's right. That's right. That's, that's
1: something that we're very focused on. And, you know, it's a win-win for, I think, all our stakeholders, frankly, customer agencies, the vendors, as well as our workforce.
0: I'm Joan Cornbluth. You're listening to GSA Fast Focus from the U.S. General Services Administration. I'm talking with Fast Commissioner Julie Dunn as she marks one year in that role SCRIM, or Supply Chain Risk Management, is something that you are a part of practically from day one. How has that evolved at GSA over the past 12 months?
1: Well, supply chain security is something that I've been interested in, in for a while. Um, going back to my time as a congressional staffer, um, also had the opportunity while I was there to work on a number of pieces of legislation that were aimed at trying to um, do a better job of securing the supply chain. One of the things I worked on was the Federal Acquisition Security Council, of which I am a member now as wow. uh, the FAS Commissioner, and uh, I'm really excited about the FASC. You know, to be part of the legislation, and then be part of actually implementing it is, is pretty cool, um, and it's something where you know we're trying to take a whole of government approach. You know, it's GSA, it's DOD, it's DHS, it's a number of different agencies. Um, and the idea is to share information, um, and ultimately, you know, if there's there is a consensus on something that, uh, you know, looks not secure, then the idea is that we'll take a government-wide approach, a risk-based approach mm-hmm. in terms of determining whether or not that product should be re- removed or excluded. So that's, that's sort of big picture, but GSA itself, um, we have also – in, in part, as we were implementing uh, what's what many know as Section 889, uh, which is a prohibition on certain telecom and IT equipment, uh, as we went through that compliance process, we really identified uh, The need to make sure our coordination across the agency is really tight um, and we're sharing lessons learned. Um, so, you know, from OGP to our our public building service. We were all kind of working together to figure out how we best implement 889 gave us an opportunity to set up some internal systems and groups. So again, we can we can take that enterprise wide look at supply chain. We're also, you know, doing a lot of training for our acquisition workforce in this area. Um, and we're also hoping that you know, we, we can uh, develop some, some tools that will illuminate the supply chain a little better and give our acquisition professionals the tools they need to make
0: good decisions. I know that IT modernization is something that you have had a long history with. So is there any other part that you'd like to touch on while we're there? Sure, yeah,
1: so again, going back to my uh, time on the Hill, uh, my colleagues and I there, we did a lot of oversight on federal IT Uh, modernization Um, and so we asked a lot of hard questions of the the various federal agencies and uh, you know uh, it was really gratifying to come to GSA and see how well GSA is doing and you learn the importance of things like agile development and you know making sure we decommission legacy systems and 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 get us to a, a more modernized IT solution. And we've got a lot of uh, projects within the Federal Acquisition Service, and we work in close partnership with GSA IT, um, and we're modernizing internal systems. Like, for example, Fleet. We just made a major award to modernize the Fleet systems, and that ultimately will consolidate 19 different systems, some of which we're still using COBOL. So, you know, that's that's a huge deal, um, and it's it's good for our customers, and you know it, it's good for the workforce. So we're we're looking for opportunities in that way, uh, to try and figure out how we can you know I in my view ultimately IT modernization should save us money and make us more efficient. So I, I look for opportunities to do that.
0: Now this is just I'm just throwing this out here. Um, When you look back at some of those questions when you were on the Hill, some of those tough questions that you were asking, now sitting on the other side of the desk, do you wish that you hadn't asked some of those questions? No, I think we were asking the right questions. Frankly, (laughs) I'm surprised
1: at how right we were (laughs) on some of those. You know, like, um, what's your plan for uh, your top three mission critical systems? What's your modernization plan? Well, you know, how, how long is it going to take you? How much are you paying for O&M? You know, what, what are the oldest uh, computing languages that you're using? Uh, so we actually asked some good questions and and we tried when we were on the Hill and, you know, GSA is actually part of this effort, the Modernizing Government Technology Act, mm-hmm. which is, uh, you know, provides a financing uh, mechanism to help with IT modernization and sort of provide some upfront money for agencies. Uh, to try and modernize their systems. So it's, it's been quite interesting to, to get sort of the full spectrum
0: You're listening to Fast Focus, a podcast dedicated to the latest news from GSA's Federal Acquisition Service. I'm Joan Kornbluff, talking with Fast Commissioner Julie Dunn as she begins her second year of service. Congratulations, by the way. I know you've got a lot on your plate today, so I'm not going to keep you much longer. I did want to take a minute to hear about what's been going on with GSA's Assisted Acquisition Service. FY20 was a huge year for AAS, wasn't it?
1: It sure was. The Assisted Acquisition Service, they had a great year in fiscal year 19 and and they continued the momentum in uh, fiscal year 2020. And they serve a lot of uh, various customers. They they were very helpful uh, with HHS um, in terms of support for the strategic national stockpiles. Um, They were also very effective in supporting DHS and some of their cyber and IT infrastructure work. Um, Our Region 8 out in the West, they were very helpful in that regard. Region 4, based down in Atlanta, had a big win for uh, the U.S. Army. Um, It was almost a $3 billion task order Mm. um, for software lifecycle development support. So great stuff going on and, you know, a wide variety of customers. It's a high-touch business, um, Mm -hmm. so our folks have been very busy um, and really pivoted quite well in the virtual environment.
0: Well, I know that there is so much more to talk about, so we're going to have to get you back in this chair again sometime. Thank you so much, Julie Dunn, for coming down and, and sitting down with us today. If you have any questions for Commissioner Julie Dunn, or you'd like to learn more about any of the programs that we've been talking about, reach out to us. The address is Focus at gsa.gov. Coming up, news of another training opportunity and some fascinating fast facts. I'm Joan Cornblith, and you are listening to Fast Focus. Welcome back to Fast Focus, a look at what's happening throughout GSA's Federal Acquisition Service. I'm Joan Cornbleth. and as always, we have got a full plate of FAST-specific webinars and training coming up. Again, I really need to thank FAST Commissioner Julie Dunn for joining us on our debut podcast. Also a part of not just our debut podcast, but all of our Fast Focus podcasts is our producer, Max Tempora. Max, say hello to everybody. Hello, everybody. Hi, Max. And Max is going to join us for some of the features that we've got here, like like now. um, He's got some information about another important training session coming up, don't you, Max?
2: Yes, I do. Uh, RFIs, or requests for information, are part of how we dialogue with the industry. Um, I've heard from some of our partners that they can sometimes be daunting or confusing, uh, especially when you're just starting out. I'm pleased to see that we've got a session coming up on November 24th that's dedicated to explaining more about RFIs and how they can be a useful tool for businesses of all sizes. Our Market Research as a Service, or MRAS, team is putting this one on.
0: Any idea of what this one's all about? Uh, I mean, beside market research.
2: (laughs) Uh, You know, it's funny you should ask. MRAS (laughs) is calling this training... Making Market Research Easy, Enhancing Industry Partnerships. The description says that attendees will walk away with a better understanding of why GSA collects industry responses and how the collected data shapes future purchasing decisions. Looks like they'll be offering insights into how to respond to GSA's RFIs by providing tips and tricks from the experts on how best to fill out these important surveys.
0: Because I know those surveys can get complicated. I've looked through some of those RFIs also. This sounds like a great training. I see that registration info is now up on the GSA events page. Just go to gsa.gov slash events and scroll down and find the event that you're looking for. The date again, November 24th. The title is Making Market Research Easy, Enhancing Industry Partnerships. I'm Joan Kornblith, coming up on Fast Focus, a few fascinating fleet facts. (laughs) Try saying that five times fast, or even once. Welcome back to GSA Fast Focus. I'm Joan Kornblith. We are almost out of time for today. I did want to leave you with a few fascinating fast facts this week about our GSA fleet. Did you know well, actually, Max, since you're here, I'm going to turn this around and I'll ask you this question. Do you know what the most popular vehicle in the GSA fleet is? I will give you a hint. It is not an executive sedan.
2: Oh, man, that's a, a, a tough one. I would definitely go for the sedan. That's um, my first guess. Um, but if you're saying that's not it. Uh, maybe you may a- have one. Maybe is it a, like a SUV, a like Chevy Suburban or something?
0: Well, you're kind of close. It's a minivan. Oh. A, a minivan. Van. Wow. Yep. In FY 2018, the last year I had official numbers for, 30 agencies leased minivans from GSA Fleet. And if you want to go way back, almost 85,000 minivans were leased through GSA Fleet between 1999 and 2018. That is a lot of seating capacity provided by Fleet. Okay, we got time for one more. In case you are wondering, the most popular colors are we're talking about for vehicles, most popular colors. Do you want to guess? Uh, I'm thinking black. <sighs> Wrong. Light white and dark blue. I, I think you'll get this one. The least common color for a GSA fleet vehicle.
2: Uh, it's got to be something obnoxious because you can't, I can't picture the government buying bright pink or ah. or purple Oh,
0: magenta, I was magenta, close. the least common color. <laughs> and those are all the fascinating fast facts I have for you today. A big thank you to Fast Commissioner Julie Dunn for taking part in the debut of GSA Fast Focus. Don't forget, if there is something fast related that you'd like to learn more about or someone you'd like to hear featured on GSA Fast Focus, let us know. Send a note to Focus at gsa.gov. That is g-s-a-f-a-s-focus at gsa.gov. I'm Joan Cornbleth. I put the words together. Max Stemfora and Stephanie Joseph moved the mountains this week. GSA Fast Focus is a production of the U.S. General Services Administration's Office of Strategic Communications.